Welcome back to another episode of History Creeps. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Chavez, and I'm sitting here with the amazing, the uncomparable, maybe? Johnny Townsend is going to town. I love that song. The song was fantastic. It was nice, right? I liked it. Um, The Ballad of Frankie Silver. It was uh, done by the Dickel Brothers out of Portland. (laughs) What's, you know what's sad? I'm so immature. You already told me that name before we recorded, and I still laughed at it. Yes. The <laughs> the Dickel brothers out of Portland, <laughs> Oregon. Uh, oh, man. That's an unfortunate last name. Unfortunate, in- indeed. Uh, performing out of... Uh, they were performing the Ballad of Frankie Silver at the Portland Old Time Music Gathering, because this is an old-time song. For an old-time event, really. Really. Um and when you listen to the song and how upbeat sounding it is kind of, and I, I don't know if it's just their rendition or if really this is the song, but um, you'd never would have thought what uh, the origins where it comes from. Well, if you know, like a lot of that kind of music, see, I, I'm from and live in North Carolina, so bluegrass music and that, all that kind of stuff, or your Americana and all that, We mm-hmm. I get it a lot here. It's good. A lot of the lyrics that you'll hear are crazy dark, especially compared mm-hmm. to the music that's with it. <laughs> are you a fan of that that kind of music? I do like it a lot. A lot of the music I listen to now has a lot of uh, that kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Lumineers, that kind of stuff, yeah. where it has that, you can tell it has all that uh, basses in with it. And uh, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, but, I do too. I, I'm a big fan of um, Delta Blues as well, the old 1920s oh, and 30s blues. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a very... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be bringing up music again here later in this episode. We this should, is crazy. It is. It's, it's quite a music centric ex- episode, is. considering the subject matter. Now, Chris, <laughs> let me ask you something. You're gonna. What are you gonna ask me? Now, I need to ask you. What do you think about axe murders? I don't like them. <laughs> uh, you know what comes to mind? Do you ever watch Ren and Stimpy when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Uh, do you remember when they did that? commercial for kitty litter and mr horse was there yes <laughs> and he says uh what do you think about this kitty litter or whatever and the way he responds was how i wanted to respond <laughs> no sir i didn't like it could you imagine if like they would ask any of the uh the guys running for president and lady sorry 
uh, running for president if they were like, hey, look, we just need to get your stance on X murders. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the I, question. Don't go around the issue. I feel Trump would say, eh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> He's like, it depends. Depends who you're, who you're axing. Yeah. Are you axing me about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But this is uh, this is the subject of our show today is axe murderers. Uh, some are unexplained, but some we know very well. You know, in history, in our history, there's been a lot of really violent crimes that happen. But axe murders, for some reason, seem to seem more brutal and more violent. Oh, so God. they kind of stick out a lot more. Uh, we're going to get to some the big ones soon. I would but. say axe murderers, that's one way of putting it. It's brutal. Um, it's very personal. It's not like you're standing farther away from someone and pulling a, a, a trigger. Oh, yeah. You're right up sure. on their face and swinging away. Well, at the beginning of this episode, we played Frankie Silver. Yes, the and Ballad of Frankie Silver. Now, Frankie Silver, I actually know quite a bit about. And the reason I know about Frankie Silver is because I live in the county in which you know, she was in. And what county is that? Burke County of North Carolina. Nice. It's a, uh, it's really close to the mountains. It's called the foothills. Really? Uh, half of the county is actually in the mountains, but, uh, the part I'm in is not. Do you see mountains out your window? Yeah. I can look at my window and see mountains, all kinds of trees. And it's a beautiful place. I love it here. Nice. Uh, if you can get past the meth heads and stuff. It's and the ax killers. Beautiful. And the axe killers and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. <laughs> I actually do love it here. But, uh, you know, this happened in the 1800s. In the 1831, it was December 22nd, 1831. A man by the name of Charles Silver uh, was missing. He apparently went on a hunting trip and they couldn't find him. Like his friends were trying to figure out where he went because he hadn't been seen in days. Now, just to put us in the mind frame, uh, he went hunting. Did he have a car? Were there cars in the 1830s? No, he did not have a car. Did he just walk or was he on a horse? He probably had a car, but he was late on his payments, so it had been repoed. <laughs> <laughs> the repo men of the 1830s. That's what I'm going to put on the new Wikipedia page for this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to update it. Uh, so he was missing, and so they went looking for him. And they mm-hmm. did find him, or they found him here, and they found him there, and they found him over here, and they found him over there, and they found him under here. Oh. <laughs> uh, the only, he was found in his cabin and around his par- property, uh, hacked to death and dismembered. Now, let me get this straight. So this guy decided to go out hunting. That's the story. That's when he was last seen. And they couldn't find him, so they decided to check his house, his cabin. Right, because he hadn't been seen for days. And you got to realize this is before you could just pick up a phone and yeah. call or text anybody. You couldn't just do that. Exactly. That's like that's why I like to kind of get our, our, our listeners in the mind frame of the time we're, times we're talking about. So now you can realize like it's not like they could, he could call home or someone could call, text him and say, hey, yeah. where are you at? Yeah, it's not like today when you can send somebody a text and if they don't respond right away, you freak out. <laughs> I'm not saying that I do that, but I do. <laughs> Isn't it the weirdest thing that we're that we're like that now? It's like yeah. you expect immediate response. <laughs> and, I, and I go in my head, I'm like, if I would have got this text, I would have responded right away. <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> so, so they didn't. No one knew, knew where he was, and it led them to just check his his whereabouts. How old is How old is he and his wife, Frankie? How old are they? 
Well, Frankie was, from everything I've seen, she was maybe 18 at the oldest. She was really young. Uh, they had a 13-month-old daughter, too. Um, I actually don't know how old he was. I couldn't ever find that. Hmm. Uh, he was an older man, though, if I remember right. Uh, actually, in Morganton, which is the, the capital of this county, uh, it's the biggest city. It's, I mean, it's not huge or anything, but it's a decent-sized town. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual museum here has a whole thing about her, and it's actually really fascinating. And I've literally been into it and seen it. It's really kind of wild. Really? Are there? Do they have any pictures or portraits of her, what she looks like? Yeah, there's all kinds of pictures of her, uh, news clippings. Um, there's like a – you can see the fireplace in which – some of his body and flesh was found. Wait, hold on. The real fireplace or pictures of it? Just pictures of it. I wish oh. it was the real, the, the real one. I was going to say um, that's insane. But the only ones that was at his house or his cabin was Frankie, his wife, and their little kid who obviously was barely a year old. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, so she becomes number one suspect. I mean, who else would it be? Right. So she's arrested along with her parents. Because she's... They're, because basically she's living in a cabin with these murdered pieces of her body laying or her husband's body laying in the fireplace. Yeah, not of her own body. That'd be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why they would suspect her. They would it, it's not like just be it, back I mean back in those days did they o- always suspect the 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 spouse the way they do nowadays? No, and also when we get to the next case here, the mm-hmm. one thing that stood out too is that she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And back then, they didn't think that women—not that they couldn't do that—they just didn't think that they wouldn't do that. Mm. That kind, those kind of violent crimes. That's like a that's like something a man would do. Mm. So, uh, so for them, the, I mean, the only reason she was even picked out was because she was the only one there. But what was interesting to me was that she was arrested, and her parents were arrested originally, both of them. Really, and they were suspected at first because they were thinking that since they lived out west somewhere. They wanted Frankie and her husband and her kid to move out west near them. And her husband said, no, he's going to stay where he's at. So they thought that maybe they had got mad and helped her do this. But they were let go, uh, but Frankie was not. Really? Yeah. So she's put on trial. And she's convicted. They say that she did this. Now, when she was convicted, now I've read actually read books on this stuff, too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy case, but... They can never find a motive. If you read about her, there's like two motives that they say. Like maybe she was jealous because he would go out all the time. Mm-hmm. And there were rumors that he kind of, you know, was uh, with other women and this kind of thing. And also the rumors are that he was abusive towards her. But neither of those things were ever, ever confirmed, ever. So was there any testimony by her or anything? Like what did she say? She never, ever confessed to it. Never, ever said that she did it. Hmm. Not once. And also, if I'm thinking right back in that day, uh, you know, this is the 1800s. You know, a lot of you didn't have like, I don't think women really spoke for themselves in court either. If I'm thinking right. Huh. Which is going to come in with our next case, actually. And. Uh, but what's the other <laughs> the other interesting thing about about her story is she did escape. She escaped prison. Really? Yeah, she got out. How did she escape? Her, Do you know? Her uncle and her dad broke her out. Apparently, they had somehow jimmied their way into the back of the jail, and they got her out. So was, they take off. Was it one of these jails like I see in my head where it's like a one room, 
You know what I mean? <laughs> with with the with the guy sleeping at the desk, his feet up oh, on the desk, and his hat oh, in his deputy, eyes. Oh, Deputy Jasper's in here, <laughs> taking me a nap. Yeah, that's that's the way I picture it. Too. And you I see, don't know, you see her dad and her sleep. uncle sneaking in, like like hunched over, tiptoeing <laughs> real slow by him, <laughs> sneaking the key off of his little yeah. key ring. If it wasn't that way, it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> so she escaped, really? Yeah, she actually makes it out. Huh. And they're on the run. She's running around with her uncle. Now, what she does is she knew they would be coming after her. So she cuts her hair really, really short, and she dresses up like a man. She's like she, been, wears, she wears man's clothes. She's been watching Alias. Yeah, that's what it is. She knew exactly what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's running out with her uncle. And they were hiding, like I was reading these stories where she would be hiding everywhere from like hay bales to fields and all this kind of stuff, trying to slowly get away out of the area hmm. because they were sending out, you know, police officers and posses and stuff after her. And, but what gets her caught <laughs> is the way that this story set this up was her and her uncle were walking around and it's kind of this crowded place, well, crowded for then. And the posse was also there looking th- for through everybody, and they stopped them, and they asked what her name was, and she goes, "My name is Tommy." <laughs> she did it in that voice. Yeah, they said she did it in a really deep voice. Batman. Yeah. She, My name is Tommy. That's how she did it. And I'm searching for justice. <laughs> Tommy Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> she really said her name was Tommy. Yeah. Okay. That was the name she went with. Oh, awesome. And her. Uncle, in his infinite wisdom, to try to help her out and back her up, goes, Yeah, her name is Tommy. <laughs> He's almost like that, told you so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, was, nah. You know like how when you have these rap battles, you always have the one guy who's who doesn't rap, but he tries to hype up his buddy <laughs> and back him up. Like, yeah, man, that's what he said. <laughs> he was the hype man. He was her yeah. hype man. Yeah, she's Tommy. <laughs> Except he said, yeah, he said she, huh? He said her name is Tommy. Oh, my God. And they caught that right away. They heard it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sounds weird. You're looking at a man saying her, and they're looking for a woman. Oh, and yeah. so she's caught. <laughs> Done. They snagged yeah. her. Now, like I told you before, now, he was, like, Charles Silver was killed in 1831. Mm-hmm. She was... She was, when she was murdered, well, whatever you want to call it, she was executed mm-hmm. in 1833. And when she was executed, she was 18. So when she killed uh, this man, she was 16. Wow. Yeah. With a 13-month-old child, which means she was pregnant at 15. 15. Yeah. Which, which, you know, to me and you sounds crazy and insane and beyond what should happen. But like I said, this is the 1800s. It's, yeah. You know. That's probably more accepted back then. Yeah, they didn't have Tinder. Uh, <laughs> they didn't. So they couldn't find the perfect yeah. match. They didn't have e- eHarmony or anything like that. No, they didn't. There's poor souls. Um, it, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, was always going to say, well, she became the first woman to be hung. Well, I should let me read this again. She became the first white woman to be hung in North Carolina. Wow. Yeah. Now, every article that a couple articles that I read made sure to point out the word white. You said, which, you know, yeah, exactly. Because which I mean, this is before the Civil War, so just to give you an idea. There you go, even better. Um, I pulled this up as you were telling me that 
uh, the Fayetteville Observer from July 30th, 1833. It's oh. it's the actual uh, notice of her execution. You want me to read it? Yeah, please. All right. It says here, execution. Mrs. Frances Silvers, they put an S at the end, was executed at Morganton on the 12th for the murder of her husband. She made a confession. Oh, she made a confession. Of all the circumstances leading to the commission of the awful deed from which it appears that the whole period of her matrimonial life, a little more than two years, so she'd been married since she was 14, Wow, wow. was spent in a succession of quarrels and fights, always, as she says, commenced by her worthless partner. <laughs> she threw in <laughs> worthless after she chopped him up. Uh, she says he was loading his gun with the avowed purpose of shooting her, when she caught up the axe and gave him the fatal blow. A few moments afterwards, she would have given, she says, a thousand worlds to have called back the blow. Boom. Well, well yeah, I mean, you've already done it. It's- <laughs> well, of course you're going to say you didn't want to do it. Yeah. Wow, so she did say that she had been, it was problems that they had in the marriage, and he was going to shoot well, her. I think, I think everybody that knew them said that they were having some issues anyway, like they weren't getting along and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, there's a, there's an age difference there from thinking wow. right. And on top of that, she never fully would come out and say, you know, even in what you just read. Yeah. She never even really took blame for it, really. She said, well, you know, he was going to shoot me. So. Yeah. So I hit him once. Yeah. Which can never, which can't be confirmed. Like we don't, we're yeah. never going to know. If she could have hit him wrong. once and let him fall to the ground that way. And then gone to a doctor and said, or the police and said, this is what happened. But she took yeah. the time to chop him up and throw him in the fire. Yeah. Wow. And then continue to live because people are like, where's your husband? Oh, he's gone hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's even more wild is, you know, this should be kind of historical, not in the best way. (laughs) Yeah. The first woman hung in North Carolina by execution, and they literally don't exactly know where she was buried. Really? Yeah. They, They have an idea. It's like on some farm out there, but that's what they're thinking. They don't know it for sure. Wow, that's crazy. And the the other thing that I found was kind of interesting to bring it up to to near our time, there was a petition in 2013 to have her pardoned, but it wasn't successful at all. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, no, she she did it. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, she's uh, she killed this dude. Well, who brought who brought it up? Was it family members? No, I think fan um, fan club. I I think she's kind of. She's kind of a, almost like a folk, uh, I don't want to say hero, but, you know, she's like on that level here. Like, everybody in this area has heard of Frankie Silver. Really? And she's kind of got her own, uh, I don't want to say fan club, but it's kind of, you know how Lizzie Borden, who we're going to get to next. I was just has, about to say, do do they, is there a competition between Lizzie and uh, and Frankie in, in around that area? Not really. Lizzie, obviously, is the one that everybody knows. You know, Frankie Silver's not one that everybody knows, but she's just known in this area for sure. She's got sort of a, like, like just for an example, like I found out that having an aunt through marriage is actually related to her. Really? Uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. And it's just really weird in this area. Like, they're, you know, you got your the Silvers sort of uh, kind of build things up with it, you know, and uh, the, and like I said, she's got a whole section in the museum just about her. When so you grew, uh, let me just get this real quick. You grew up in the area, right? You were that's that's where you're from. Yes, yeah. So did did they teach you about her in school? Like growing up, did you learn that in history classes or or in like social no, studies classes? No. no, okay. 
No, you didn't hear about it then. You only heard about it through like uh, what the older people would tell you. Urban legends type of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that like a lot of people are really proud of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would guess it doesn't. It's, it doesn't say "town of uh, first white woman execution by hanging" on their their uh, yeah. sign as you're driving in. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it's uh, she. Like I said, that what blew me away was how young she was. Yeah, that's insane. When she did all this, I mean, she was executed at 18. She like didn't just murder this man. She dismembered him. <laughs> oh, that's just too much. And, and you got to realize that in the same house as them is their one-year-old daughter, and she's doing all this. Dude, I just can't. Like, that's what I'm saying. When you brought up, like, how brutal of fashion of murder uh, using an axe is, you know? I mean, I know it's been used even up until recent times. You, you find people who have been gone crazy and used it. But, like, that's just so, like, it's intense, man. Like, you get, you have to watch what it, the damage it does, you know? It's not just a bullet hole. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we're right now in our country, gun violence is a big thing. And as it should be. I mean, nobody yeah. should have to lose their lives through any sort of violence or anything like that. But it's so less personal with a gun yeah. than it is with like a knife or an axe. I mean, that's, you gotta be a lot closer to them and you really gotta be, I mean, you're right there in it when you're doing it. Yeah. You know, when you're the, doing the act. There's splatter. There's everything that comes with it. It's just, it's, oh, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go from one ex murdering woman to another. Yes. And Lizzie Borden, um, talk about just brutality, just the way, uh, the murders of her father and mother, uh, came about is just insane. Um, everyone knows the story. You, like you said, you know the story. I know the story. Ask but anybody. even if you don't know exactly what happened, I mean, even kids would say, what was that like a Lizzie Borden took an axe and whatever? Oh, yeah, there's a song to it. There um, there was a documentary that um, I saw here. Let me see if I've got it, where it actually opens with the song. Well, yeah, check this out. When I knew Lizzie Borden, I would never have believed that she could have done this from the impression that she made on me at that time. She was gentle and pleasant, but of course she was old, and of course she could have changed greatly for all I know. On the morning of August 4th, 1892, a wealthy Massachusetts banker named Andrew Borden and his wife Abby were brutally murdered in their home. The weapon was a hatchet, wielded with such force that the first blow would surely have killed either of them. But Andrew's visage was hacked beyond recognition with 11, and the back of Abby's head battered to a bloody pulp with 19. The accused was Andrew Borden's youngest daughter, Lizzie. Lizzie was not a normal person. Lizzie Borden was very unusual. She was peculiar. She was odd. You might even sympathize with her, but you wouldn't have her over to meet your friends. She obviously <laughs> would have been awkward to explain away. Hi, this is Lizzie Borden. Do you remember her? Well, nobody couldn't not remember her, so there you have it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Chris, I'm going to come over for dinner now. I want you to meet my date. <laughs> Who, who'd you bring along with you there, Johnny? Now, her name's Lizzie. Uh, she's really pretty. 
She's about my age. Um, she may have like murdered her father and mother with Zach. And she's really cool and funny. Oh, yeah. Do you mind if I talk to you in private for a second there, buddy? No, no. I'm just going to bring her. Well, you can say to me, you can say to her. <laughs> and now, uh, yeah, Lizzie Borden, man. Everyone knows who she is. And have you've seen pictures of her, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen pictures of her. And I hate, I cannot stand looking at crime scene photos of when there's bodies involved. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I can't stand it. But obviously, I've seen the you know. There's that famous photo. Uh, you can't even tell it because it's in black and white. Oh thankfully. God! Can you imagine if it was in like full blown Technicolor? Oh, if they if that happened now and they took pictures like that, oh. I, I would I would probably vomit. Honestly, <laughs> it would be like 4K quality. You could zoom down to like the the smallest minuscule. Oh, uh, but no, you look at pictures of Lizzie and. Uh, and I let that little intro play a little longer than than I intended, but it was it's kind of cool because it kind of explains the what was behind it and um and just basically how she was perceived. She was a weird kind of a person, like and when you look at pictures of her, not to uh not to be mean, but like it doesn't look like everything's there in the eyes. You know what I mean? It looks like she's missing some marbles. Um, yeah, I agree. She's got like a weird stare to her. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird gaze. Like she's it's like she's I don't know. Like she's lost it. You know. Um, I mean, she was a weird. She was kind of a weird duck anyway. Yeah. You know that if you read little things about her before any of this happened, I mean, she was in her thirties and she wasn't yeah. married, which back then for a woman was you know that was like unheard of exactly and that's the other weird that that was the thing that i was going to say that's a difference between her and silver silver was in her teens um and a lot of times uh if you want to go down to psychology and even like um, biology your brain your your what is it the prefrontal cortex isn't developed enough for you to make uh decisions correctly that's why they say people under a certain age they make rash decisions because that part of their brain that usually governs their judgment isn't developed fully until your mid-20s um if then yeah exactly (laughs) yeah right uh but so in the case of frankie silver you can understand like for her to make a rash decision and not really think about it um but for someone in her 30s uh you know, aside from the heat of passion kind of a thing, um, it's it's a little shocking that she she went all out at that age, you know. But then, like you said, she was a little weird. She stayed at home. She wasn't married yet. She uh, she basically did this. She she was really good friends with the living maid. And there were rumors that they were probably they maybe had had in a relationship, um, an amorous relationship, if you will. Well, that that kind of comes up again later, like after all this, like she may have, uh, she may have, you know, w- wanted to have relationships with women, because mm-hmm. it comes up again, which you know, now even like that would be kind of weird, just from where we are in a society, it's more yeah. accepting now than it ever was before. But back then, you know, it certainly was not a a thing. It was very taboo back then, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was actually looked at almost uh, as a, an evil thing, like some some influence of the devil. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think we need to give a little quick background on her parents real quick. Well, one's her stepmom because her mom died when she yeah, was young. That's right. It's stepmom. I misspoke. You're right. Um, And her they had a lot of money. They were a wealthy family. They were influential in the area as well. Um, I think he was in, like he was in manufacturing or something like that. He was in manufacturing, and I think also right, he was like in charge. He was the head of a bank, too, in that area. Yeah, he was a uh, big guy. Like he was. 
He but they didn't of, live like it though. No, not at all. He was very he was one of the he was like a miser, wasn't he? Kind of like a Scrooge kind of guy. He was very pinching his pennies and Yeah, nobody in town liked him from what I've read. Uh like he was very cheap. He was a cheapskate for sure. Like yeah. their family like this is eighteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Their family was very wealthy, one of the wealthiest in that town. But they still did not have running water when everybody else there had running water. Uh, they didn't have, uh, I think they were still going by candlelight when they didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was just, it's a weird situation. And so, um, I guess put that into perspective when you think of these, when you think of her growing up in that. So, I mean, maybe that didn't help her mental state. You know what I mean? Um, to, to see how she could live and then be forced to live that way. Um, it was a lot of weird little things with this family. They, like I said, they were very wealthy, very well known in the area, um, and they were religious pretty pretty much. I think they were. They said they were strong in, in Christian organizations and 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 different society things like that. Uh, oh, Lizzie was really. Uh, she did a lot of stuff for her church, from what I read. She was really heavily involved with it. Exactly, um, and that the old woman we heard at the beginning of that clip. Uh, was a historian and when she was speaking of having known lizzie borden uh, she had known her in her later years and she was she was a very friendly sweet woman um so you would never think that that was a woman that you know that chopped up her 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 parents Uh, we gotta say allegedly allegedly yes because she was never (laughs) convicted uh so yeah let's get right to what happened basically what happened was uh on the morning of um august 4th 1892 uh Abby and Andrew Borden were were found murdered in their home. And the way it went, um, originally they made it sound like uh somebody I forgot who it was. Was it it was the the maid or somebody had come in looking for for something and found the dad laying on the on the, the bed or the, the couch. It, it gets changed. Uh I've heard it that way and I also heard that Lizzie's the one who found it and yelled for the maid. Yeah, there was two different stories that had and that's the oh. that was why no one knew how how to how to convict because there was too many stories and too many things changed which um, she would keep changing herself too by the way exactly one time they said uh she said she left she wasn't even at home she left the house when the murders occurred and she was going to check in on somebody some neighbor another time she said she went to the barn and sat up in the, she went there for to fix grab something to fix uh i believe it was something when the house needed fixing so she went out there to grab something she needed yeah an and, ended, and ended up <laughs> She she ended up in the hayloft eating pears, like that was that was her that she said she was up there for like an hour eating pears. Um, that was some really good pears, to be fair though. Except except it was like broiling hot, and they didn't believe that anyone would sit up in a hayloft in that heat, you know, just eating pears. Um, so that yeah, there was all these different um stories on how how it happened. So basically, uh, they found the mother and the stepmother and the father murdered he was chopped in the face like they said in the opening recording 19 times even his eye one of his eyes was chopped clean in half which is absolutely horrendous to think about that's what i'm saying coming so like (laughs) (laughs) and the mother was found uh upstairs with her head bludgeoned i mean absolutely destroyed and the way it worked out is they figured out the doctors and the coroners all figured out that the mother was killed first and she was killed with a uh, a chop to the face. So she had been facing her attacker at that time. And then it had been str- so hard of a, a strike that it knocked her to the ground. And the idea was that Liz- if Lizzie had done it, Lizzie then straddled her from behind and then just bludgeoned the top of her head with the back of the axe. Um, 
then went downstairs to her sleeping father and, and killed him. Just absolutely went to town on him. Well, everything that I've read, it seems like he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Not that she might not have done it anyway, but like he was supposed to be at work then, mm-hmm. but he was actually sick that day. So he left early. Yeah. And there's different, there's different theories as to like when they tried to put this idea together, like she moved from this room to this room. She did this, she did this. It was all these rumors flying about as to why, why would she do it? Well, they even said that she might have done it like naked. Yes, so, I mean, that was that a, that, out there too. That was a question. Uh, that was definitely a question um, because one of the theories was that she was having relations with the the maid, and her mom walked, her stepmother walked in on it and was absolutely horrified by it. And because of her reaction, that's when Lizzie responded. Now, why would there be an axe in the bedroom where you're having, uh, you know? You're having a good time with your your lover on a what what's an axe doing there? Foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> You're <too> jolly somehow. <laughs> oh God, they're role playing. No, yeah, but safe like, word with that for sure. <laughs> but that's so she took this hatchet and just bashed the crap out of her stepmom, and then um, during the trial, all these different questions came up and. That's why there was never any set story or any way of convicting her because so many different stories came out during the trial. Um, she said originally she heard, you know, noises and, and, and like groaning and she realized something was wrong. And that's when she, you know, she went down and found her dad and that's when she called for help, um, which contradicted what she told the cops when they first found the bodies. Um, they ended up finding, apparently they found the hatchet that was used in the basement with other, you know, other tools. Uh, and they had been made to look like it had been sitting there for a while. Dust and like dirt were kind of thrown all on top of the, the, the weapon. It had no handle either. I thought yeah, they, it was, they broke the handle off. Yeah, it was actually a, one of a, one of the hatchet heads was broken uh, right off the handle. And so they think that was the one that was used uh, in the in the murder. So they presented these things in court during the investigation. So while they had her on the stands or while they had her while she was sitting next to her attorney, they would presented these things and they presented the skulls of her yeah. dad and stepmom uh, to which. Uh, Lizzie passes out. She absolutely completely, she just faints when she sees that. And so like back in those days, it's, you could just imagine everyone in the courtroom is like, Oh, you know, when I was reading the, when I was reading about this and watching this documentary about her, Mm -hmm. what really stood out to me, the first thing I was thinking of was all those women that we talked about before during the Salem witch trials, Mm -hmm. how they would act like they were being, you know, witches were after them or whatever. She, from what I've understood, she was, if, she was a great actress. <laughs> was she? Yeah. Um, yeah. I knew I knew that she just acted erratic during the entire trial. She was really off the wall. Like they would ask her questions and she wouldn't answer. She would refuse to answer ones, even ones that would exonerate her. Like even if they would say, you know, so if you were here, can you tell us this? And and if she could just answer it, she, they could say, OK, you're, you're fine. You're free to go. But she wouldn't. Um, yeah. A lot of times she contradicted what she said. Like she said something about taking off her dad's boots and replacing them with slippers for him when he went to go lay down on the couch and his body was found with the boots on like it didn't like a lot of what she said didn't make sense um so there was others didn't she did you read this part where they had one of their witnesses was this guy who worked at like a pharmacy and she had tried to go in there to buy uh, parasitic acid or parasitic acid oh some sort of acid yeah which would kill a person yeah, but he refused it to her because she didn't have a prescription for it. Yeah, a uh, prussic acid. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, 
there was all that that's the thing there was all these different little things that said she could have done it um yet there was not enough for for the jury to say she did it well uh, if you if you read into this trial she went into it knowing she wasn't that she was gonna get off scot-free she had all the money uh she hired the best attorneys you could possibly get for then mm-hmm. um the back then they, for where she was at in massachusetts these kind of trials had three judges one of the judges actually had been appointed judge by the guy who was now her lawyer yeah when while uh, he was governor yep yeah so i mean she had everything was on the ball was in her court so to say as long as she didn't act like a complete fool and come out and say that she did it you know she was pretty sure she was gonna get off scot-free yeah and you gotta um you gotta point out those judges back in those days um the lawyers had their final say, but so did the judge. The judge could look at the jury and and give their little speech over what they presided over and what they witnessed. And this judge that you were talking about that was appointed by the person they knew, um, he went on this huge, like this long diatribe of like basically supporting the defense. It, it just basically came out saying you guys really should vote this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's what I was going to say. There was not enough, the the evidence they, they showed didn't really directly tie much to her. There was no bloody clothing because when, one day when they went up to, to get more info from her, they found her burning a a dress and, uh, she said she had gotten paint all over it. So now there was no bloody clothing. There was nothing really to completely tie her to the murder. Um, she had the money, she had the influence on the, on the judges, you know, with the judges. And yet, like you said, she went in. With the it, intention yeah. that she wasn't going to get convicted. The, all they really had against her was she had a bunch of motives to do what she did. Yeah. Uh, she w- had a lot to gain, her and her sister, mm-hmm. which this did happen. They would get all that money. Yep. Uh, they would get all that property. Yep. Um, she, They began to hate her stepmom because their dad would gave her stepmom some property just to give it to her for mm-hmm. her sister's. And they wanted that stuff. So they started calling. They didn't even call their stepmom mom. They called her Mrs. Borden. Mm-hmm. Is what they would call. They never even called her mom. So they hated her to start with. Uh, they had all these reasons, like all these things that, for reasons why they would have done it. But what was interesting to me was during this trial, the whole town of Fall River was behind Lizzie. Yeah. Like they were all behind her said she didn't do this. But now when she gets off scot-free. Yep. They, they didn't they, want anything to do with it. They ostracize her. After that, it's like, forget it. You're not, you can't be a part of this, this high society. This is not right. You know, um, like you said, the sisters ended up getting all this money and they bought a house and moved into this huge house together. Uh, Lizzie changed her name um, to Lizbeth. And like you said, the town turned their back. As far as they were concerned, she was a pariah. Um and I think something came up later on too, where they she was caught sh- uh, stealing something or shoplifting, yep. or they or they or so they said, um, and uh, which she didn't need to do. Like she was, no. she had so much money. Like the rest of her life, even though I don't think she was happy because of how the town was treating her, mm-hmm. like she didn't want for anything. She had all she needed. Yeah, and, and that's why I think um, she I think she had mental problems. I really did. You look at the I mean, not to, you know, it's a picture. You can't really tell. But, you know, the story, you hear the way they say she she was how she acted, even how she acted on trial, even if it was just I mean, if it was an act, that's great. But there was just too much of it that where she just was a little off and weird. The questions they'd ask her, she didn't make sense. You know what I mean? She would contradict herself. Um 
You know, you know what really blows me away about this whole thing, though? What's that? You know, she was so enamoring for people that she got off scot-free. But that technically that means that technically this case is still open and unsolved. That's true. So, so if she didn't do it, then why weren't they out looking for who did? Like it just kind of the fact that somebody murdered nobody actually went to jail or was punished for their murders at all ever. Yeah, you don't hear much about an, a continuing investigation after the fact. You don't hear much about um, any other. Well, there were a couple people who they they thought could have done it. There was um, apparently there was supposedly an illegitimate son of Mr. Borden. Uh, who was trying to extort money from him, and when he wouldn't get the money, he went in and killed him. Um, there was the idea that uh, that maybe it was actually the the maid herself did it. Um, some people thought because when the murders took place, uh, there was an uncle that had come to stay with them during that that few days, and it was an uncle who they barely saw. Like he's always gone. He's one of those guys that showed up every you know. Yeah, wasn't he like the brother years. of his first wife? Yeah, yeah, and so he showed up and. Um, I believe they all went, they'd gone out to breakfast or done something in the mornings when they came back and the stepmother went upstairs and he had coffee with, with his brother-in-law uh, or his brother. Yeah. His brother-in-law. Um, and then he said he left and it was when he left, you know, minutes later that the murders occurred. So there was, a, he was suspected for a long time by the police, but they ended up, you know, saying it, it, it couldn't have been him. Yeah. He had a, he actually prove where he was at and all this stuff so that's why he got off yeah so um they got a lot of money out of it at the end and the house and the murders themselves were unexplained and like you said i think it's kind of weird that they never continued to look for the murderer because wouldn't you be worried there's a murderer walking around you know scot-free um which which is perfect because it leads into the next case i wanted to talk to you about because that murderer if it wasn't lizzie borden um could have moved on a few years later, and brought the town of Villisca to its knees. Now, where is Villisca at? Have you ever heard of Villisca, Iowa? I, I mean, I've only heard of it because of this case. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, the Villisca Axe Murders is a um, is known worldwide um, to ghost hunters or paranormal investigators, people who are into ghosts, because the house itself is considered one of the most haunted houses in our country. Um. Do you believe in ghosts? I I don't know how to explain this. Can I say I'm agnostic? <laughs> how, is it one of these things where uh, you want to because it's fun and creepy and scared, but scientifically, you know, it's, how it's do you explain it? It's one of these things it, where I've never personally experienced any of that stuff or seen one, <laughs> but you know, I can't sit here and tell you that they're not real because I don't know. Huh. I'm not against them being real. Like If I saw one, I wouldn't be all like, well, that's whatever well it's funny because i know we were talking about doing this episode about these murderers these murders and uh you were telling me when you tried to look up any information on this the only thing you found were <laughs> ghost hunting shows yeah i want to look this up uh, on youtube to see if there's <laughs> any like really cool videos about this and every single video was a ghost was people hunting for ghosts at them which don't get me wrong i've done it myself i've went ghost hunting before it's fun and I watched those shows so what on are, occasion. What were you hunting? Fun. What were you hunting for? Like as an agnostic or, or whatever you were saying, where you it's hard for you. <laughs> what was, what was it you thought you were going to get out of it? I don't know. I think it's just <laughs> just the fun of it, and just the you know, in a way, you kind of want it to be real. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm saying I don't know. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. If I ever had an experience, you know, I'm open to 
them being real, I guess is the best way to put it. I see. Well, this house in Villisca, uh, Villisca, Iowa, um, was the site of what infamously became known as the Villisca Axe Murders. And the house actually still stands today. You can go and book an overnight uh, stay with your friends to ghost hunt, and it's a little bit over $400. Oh, sweet. Uh, Let's do it. Uh, you went up to five other friends. You can have up to six people is 400 and something dollars. But um, it's supposed to be one of the most haunted places. And the reason is because there were a lot of people murdered in that house. It wasn't just two like the Borden uh, murders. It wasn't well, just here, one. Well, here, let me guess. Was it three people? No. Was it four people? Not even close. Was it five people? You're getting there. Was it six people? Nope. Was it seven people? I think if you add one more, you'll hit it on the money. So it was ten people. Close, but it was eight people. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a brutal, brutal axe murder. I'm surprised you've never heard of this one. No, I'd heard of it, but I never really looked into it for whatever reason, which is odd with me because this is the kind of stuff that I like to learn about. <laughs> axe murders, number one on the list. Yeah. <laughs> number two, ghosts. Yeah. Um, number three, how do I get a date? <laughs> <laughs> not with axe murderers yeah. uh not with talking about one and two did you ever see Stay that sh- later did you ever see that movie so i married an axe murderer oh a long time ago uh yeah. i might have to end this episode with a clip from that movie do it do it i say uh anyway back to the uh the issue at hand Velisca axe murders occurred um on the night of between june 9th and june 10th of 1912 and um, it, the, the after the fact, the coroners and the doctors said that the murders probably happened between midnight and 5 a.m. And what it was was uh, I'll set up the story and how, how it all came to be. There's a family that's in town uh, that lived in this town of Villisca, um, the Moors, and the husband and his wife and his three children um, were out at a, at a, at a gathering uh, at church. Um, and on the way home that night, it was like roughly 930 at night. Um, they were all going to go home. And two two of the, the children's friends, these other two children, uh, were supposed to walk home and stay at their grandmother's house. But uh, it was those t- it was a time in, when they had like those lanterns in the streetlights, you know, and they would go out at night like they didn't have lights on all night the way they do now. Um, so the, the lights were all out and they didn't want the kids walking in the dark. So they told them to stay at the house with them. Oh, well, <laughs> bad idea. Right. Uh, can you imagine getting that phone call and, and, and you're like, yeah, it's fine. They can stay there. Oh, God. Yeah. Could you, you know? imagine like, uh, oh, could you be those kids? Oh, man, these people are so nice. They're going to let us stay with them. And oh, there's such great people. Oh, I'm getting chopped. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's absolutely it's such a horrible story, <laughs> which is, you know, if I was going to get axe murdered, be my first words. I'm getting chopped. <laughs> I'm getting chopped. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so they, they, they go to the house and they turn in for the night. Um, and then between midnight and 5 a.m., 5 a.m., what ends up happening is uh, the father and mother are both hacked. Um, well, actually, this is actually what happens. The father gets chopped. He gets he gets hacked a bunch of times. The wife laying next to him gets bludgeoned with the other side of the hammer. I mean, the, the axe. Then the guy moves to the kid's room down the hall where three of the children, the the main more children are sleeping and he bludgeons all of them the same way with the back of the ax. Then he goes down and then he goes back into the room and bludgeons the father and mother again, just to make sure they're dead. You know, he wants to yeah. just that finishing oomph. He's then, a perfectionist. Exactly. <laughs> then he goes downstairs and kills the two visiting girls. 
that's it. No one knows a thing. So the next morning, what ends up happening, like the neighbor wakes up at like seven in the morning and she notices back in those days, you had morning chores. You'd go out and you'd let your chickens out and you'd bring in the, the you'd put stuff up on your line to dry or you, you did things. You knew when your family was up and moving around. And back in those days, you woke up at seven in the morning to do those things. So when the neighbor wakes up and sees that the house is silent, nothing's going on. She knows something's weird because the entire there was a huge crowd of people that had just gone in the night before. At the very least, there should be children running around in the yard, right? Yeah. Uh, so she knows something's weird. So she goes over to see what's going on, and she's knocking on the door. There's no answer. So she tries to open it. And it's locked. She can't get in. So she's like, all right. Uh, she goes over to the chicken coop and lets the chicken out, chickens out for them, and then calls uh, Mr. Moore's brother to say, hey, listen, something's going on at your brother's place. No one's up yet. You want to go by and check them out? So he gets over there, and I guess he's got a copy of the key because he ends up unlocking the door and walking in. And upon walking in, he he sees in the little guest room where the two girls were sleeping, there's slashed up bodies or they're, they're pummeled bodies. So he leaves the house, tells the lady to go get the uh, the officer of the town. And the officer of the town comes back and that's when they find all the other bodies. Um, no one knows what happens. No one knows who did it. It was never, ever, ever explained. They found the murder weapon in the room, um, in that bottom room with those two visiting girls. And only one of the girls was, uh, one person was believed to have been awake during their murder. Everyone else was believed to have been uh, asleep in their murder, except for the older of the two visiting girls. She was 12 years old. She was found kind of splayed sideways on the bed. And there was like uh, defensive wounds on her arms. And... Upon more investigation, they found two cigarettes, uh, smoked, spent cigarettes in the attic. So the theory was that the killer had waited up there all night while, you know, during the few hours trying to wait for everyone to fall asleep, smoking cigarettes, waiting to make their move. Went down and just like I told you, laid it out that way, went into the parents room, the kids room, back to the parents downstairs and then left. Um, There was a lot of suspects, but no one was ever caught. There was actually a guy that was tried twice for it and, and found not guilty both times. Well, the first time it was a hung jury. The second time he was acquitted. But no one was ever caught for it. Um, and it was one of those things that was always unexplained. Uh, but the brutality, just the way we talked about it before, the brutality of this murder was just ridiculous. Like the the father, Mr. Moore, um, the guy hacked his face so bad they couldn't find the eyes there was no more eyes like you said with uh mr borden at least you could see that the eyes had been cut they were split these ones were missing completely well and it's kind of weird to me that he was actually chopped but the rest of them were bludgeoned that's Mm -hmm. yeah and that that was um so that led to a lot of theories that maybe this was something that was against him uh one of the guys that was suspected of it uh was a guy who was um trying to was in 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 uh, business negotiations with with uh, the Moore company. Their businesses there was problems with their businesses uh, against each other. So he was suspected of it, but his alibi checked out. So they said he didn't do it. Um, there was this reverend that went from town to town, uh, like doing his ministry, and this guy was known as a weirdo. Like he had been had a mental uh, breakdown when he was younger. Um, he was also known for being one of those creepy kind of guys that was asking young women to send him his naked pictures. 
You know, oh, okay. yeah, he definitely he did that from these diff- different towns. He'd move along. There was, it, it became known that he was this, this weirdo kind of guy. Well, uh, he was in their town when this happened and they assumed they he was one of the, the guys that they thought did. it. He was the one that they, you know, put on trial twice. Wow. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, a couple other guys were named one guy. This one was crazy. This this one guy said he did it. Um, with people that he worked with, like he worked on a, on a farm with, with these other people. And he told this, he would tell them, Hey, I can tell you where the Velisca murders happened. I can tell you how they happened. I could tell you where the guy left, how he, how he left the town and all this stuff. So they reported it to the police. And then it ended up that this guy, you know, when it came down to it, he had a, he had an alibi. They knew exactly that he had already been arrested in another town. Oh, he was talking. He was doing yeah. talks. He was just yeah. doing the talking. Mm. Man, that's just that's just brutal. Like anytime there's kids involved, it's you know it's mm, really adds to it. Yeah. Um. And like I said before, it was never never solved. Uh, the axe murderer got away, and then there was news that it was that maybe this guy was going down, you know, following the river down to New Orleans because there was all of a sudden in, in those following years. Um, there were brutal axe murders just happening all the way down um, to New Orleans, which leads us to the next story that we we're going to talk about. Oh, you must be the Axeman of New Orleans. That's his name. The Mysterious. Well, let me set you the, the scene here. It's 1918. It's New Orleans. You know, when you think of New Orleans, what do you think of? Um, honestly, I think of the French Quarter. Uh-huh. Jazz music. Yes. The Swamps. Uh-huh. And the Cajon. Cajon. Oh. Creole. Maybe a little bit of voodoo thrown in there. Oh, yes. The voodoo and the above ground uh, graveyards. Oh, yeah. And, and beads. Beads. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beads. Indeed, yeah. beads. I don't know if they did that back then. I was thinking but. in terms of history, I'm like, beads? Like Indian yeah. beads? Well, you know, to some of us, it's still historic what they I- could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's a chance that the Velisca axe murderer made his way down to this great city of New Orleans. Now, what happened between 1918 and 1919 in New Orleans was that 12 people in all were killed that were attributed to the same person. Um, they were just all kinds of different people. Most of them were Italian-Americans. Uh, and what was the most interesting to me besides the letter, which I'll get to here in a minute, mm-hmm. is that every person who was killed, most of them were killed with an axe, mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't always with an axe, and it was always with something that was in that person's house. So if they had an axe in their house, that's what he would use. Wow. He never, ever brought anything of his own. And it was you said it was all Italian-Americans. That, for the most part. So that's they thought maybe that was one of the reasons why. like It was kind of race-related sort of thing. But that wasn't proven. Or the um, mafia. It's not the mafia. Yeah, they didn't think it was the mafia either. Okay. But what? But you know, it, it put New Orleans was gripped with fear at this time, and on top of that, they get a letter. A letter, like uh, <laughs> and, Jack the Ripper style. No, it's to me this is even better than Jack the Ripper. You know, Jack the Ripper style. I don't know if you've ever read that letter, but it's kind of a. Uh, I don't know even know how to put it. Like it wasn't. I don't want to say that the man was not smart, but it was, not, you know what I mean? Like it was written, it wasn't written well. This okay. letter, I mean, the first words are, it's, this is the first line of the letter. 
Hell, March 13th, 1919. Oh, this is great. Okay. Hell? Yeah. All right. Now, are you, do you have the whole letter? I have the whole letter right in front of me. Would you mind doing it in that voice? Of I think it, I would, it would work. Okay. Awesome. All right. All right Hell, go. March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I, I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axe Man. That's just the first paragraph. <laughs> that is amazing. This guy yeah. is the William Shakespeare of axe murderers. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, uh, when I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know who they will be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe. Be smeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. <laughs> this, this guy's guy. great. Right. This is I'm awesome. not going to read the whole thing because it's actually a really long letter. Okay. But wow. I am going to skip down a couple paragraphs to where it gets really interesting here. All right. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer. Which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens. Wow. For, you see, I am in close relationship with the Angel of Death. <laughs> this is like a Batman villain. Yes, he is. This is so <laughs> yeah. awesome. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 <coughs> earthly time, on next Thursday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. And here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils and the neither regions that every person shall be spared and whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. What? If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. <laughs> I need to be rubbing my hands together like I'm doing a... <laughs> That's amazing. One thing is certain. And that is that some of your people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night will get the axe. <laughs> oh, badoons. Yeah. This guy, like just his level of drama it. was incredible. I love it. And they it. said that that night at that time, the whole city, you could hear jazz music. <laughs> really? So they took him seriously. Oh, yeah. I, I think a lot of people thought like, like they, don't, they don't know for sure if this is the real axe man who sent this. I mean, because you can't know for sure. Like, just like in any of these cases where you get a letter, you don't know for sure if it was the real person doing it or somebody right. else just trying to get attention or whatever. Right. But uh, they said that night people wanted to be better safe than sorry sort of thing. 
I would. Um, did, are you familiar with a tune called "The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz"? Par- I am not. Parentheses don't scare me, Papa. <laughs> That's the name of the song, written by a guy named uh, Joseph John Davila. Uh, I bet you, I'll bet anything, he wrote that letter. He may have. I don't. But anyway, like this guy was never caught. They never know who did it. They never found who did it. Um, they never could find any real good clues. Like I said, all the murder weapons were of the, the people on them, not him. He didn't bring them with him. So, it, it, oh man, this is just one man. I mean, this really reminded me of, and this is actually <laughs> even more so. This case in New Orleans case is more so of putting a whole city in fear. But you know. You remember hearing about any of those serial killers, like, uh, what's the one, the Zodiac Killer? Like how he put that whole city on, on the edge. Oh, uh, New York City, yeah, in the 70s, the Son of Sam guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And their murders, while violent and brutal and crazy, with letters too, may I add. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were nowhere near the level of this. I mean, this was 12 people that this person killed, and that letter was by far one of my most favorite, if you want to call it favorite, just from a dramatic standpoint that's that's amazing that's amazing and he wanted people just playing jazz music that's why i say it's got to be the jazz writer because it was it was there was it's actually a song called the mysterious axeman's jazz and if you get the uh the original printing of it the um the the note the music uh book the cover is these is it's an illustration of a family uh playing jazz music in their home with with a piano going and this little kid with a bugle and a drum and and the entire family looks petrified if you look at their face they're not having a good time it's not like this jazz music's bringing any joy uh <laughs> yeah there's a door the front door's open you can see it's nighttime with a moon in the sky and there's a woman who's like staring out into the night like fearfully she's got her uh, hand up to her mouth and there's a little cartoon at the bottom that says basic i'm not going to read it exactly but it says you know we're not scared we're doing this for fun aren't we you know basically saying you know, I think they're obviously referencing that that jazz man's thing saying play this music or you're going to die. Yeah. And, and he was <laughs> angel of death. He, but they don't we don't know if it's a he for sure, but you know. Oh, true. It's, it's just so violent and crazy and <laughs> Do you think if it was a woman she would have signed it the ex woman? I don't know. I think they were already from what I understood they were already saying this was an ex man at the first mm-hmm. anyway. Cuz I mean he starts out the whole letter with uh, I am who they call the Axe Man. Oh, true. Okay, so she's yeah. used he she's using the name already given. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they would put these little things in here like when they say the time they say twelve fifteen, then they put earthly time. <laughs> so just saying twelve fifteen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, yeah. This is this, he was uh, either the musician or some like English writer that was having a good time with the newspapers. Oh well, they said there's all kinds of. Uh, things and theories that came up obviously like like jack the ripper and all mm-hmm. these you get all kinds of crazy theories like one of them was that he just there's a guy just really liked jazz music and just wanted to like promote it more nice <laughs> which is a terrible campaign by the way <laughs> yeah no kidding we'll chop you up if you don't listen yeah <laughs> so they they definitely ruled out mafia though right because you like you said it was all italian americans so they they ruled out mafia it wasn't all italian americans but most were so they did. They did rule out that it was mafia because if it was the mafia, they got you know you would have found out. People talk. Yeah, and I think uh, in the Velisca murders, those they weren't Italian, so they, it wouldn't be a tie to the same murderer. Then I think the reason there was there was ties saying it could have been the same guy was because of the style of murder. Yeah, um, 
Now the New York New Orleans guy was it a lot of? Ch- I mean, for lack of a better term, was there a lot of chopping going on, or was it more bludgeoning? It's, from the sounds of it, I mean, it depended on what he had. If he had an axe, he chopped them. If he had, uh, uh, I wish I could remember what our, everything else he had used. But it wasn't always an axe. That's what it mainly was. Hmm. But if they didn't have an axe nearby, I guess he just grabbed whatever he thought he could kill somebody with. Oh. Could you? I don't even want to imagine. I think if I'd want, I just want to, I think everyone's wish to, the way they want to die would be in their sleep. No one says they want to be chopped by an axe. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. That's just so brutal. Well, they even said that, you know, during this time, a lot of the citizens actually were like, we're not going to let one person intimidate me so they would walk around with guns and stuff really <laughs> and, yeah and uh they said one person even said that they would leave their window open for the guy if he would not damage the front door <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing basically uh stand your ground ground act back in the day come on yeah. in and i'll shoot you we know it's kind of how it is now i mean yeah any of this anytime any of this stuff happens people are like well i'm gonna be the one who's gonna stop it yeah i'll be the one that i'll be the one that had that gun to shoot him down yeah that's crazy. Did you know I'm looking at this mysterious Axeman's jazz and uh, did you know um, the comic book Swamp Thing had an issue, the 94th issue, the title of it was the mysterious Axeman's jazz and it revolved around the Axeman mythos. Well, hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm actually going looking over some of the victims now uh, just to try to answer your question before. But like some of them were hacked. Um, some of them were even scalped. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so. So like, uh, one of them was uh, this woman was like eight months pregnant, and uh, they said she was scalped, and then her scalp was cut open. Oh my God! Yeah. So this this guy was or whoever was insane. I'm gonna have to cancel my lunch reservations. Yep, there goes me going to New Orleans anytime soon. <laughs> Even though this wasn't 1918, I'm pretty sure they're gone by now. I was just looking over the whole uh, in popular culture type of a thing. That's where I saw the swamp thing. But I also saw apparently the the Axeman was a character in the American Horror Story Coven. Did you watch that one? No, I haven't seen any of those. No? Oh, you've never watched those at all? No. Oh. I know what they are, but I've never watched it. But uh, I only it, saw the first one. The first one was really good, and I started to watch the second one. wasn't as good, so I never watched anymore. But I guess this character, Axeman, was popular enough to bring him and make him a character on the show. Yeah, and the other thing that's really weird about this was that the the killings just stop. Yeah. They just stop. They just end uh, almost as abruptly as how they had started. Hmm. They just kind of end. And then nothing. You hear nothing. There's no more letters. Uh, there's no more killings of that nature. It's just, it's just gone. I wonder if there's any other axe murders in the vicinity or, you know what I mean, if the guy moved on. Yeah. I mean, it could have been anything. I mean, it's that's, you know, like... They had a couple suspects, but none of them were ever, you know, they couldn't convict any of them. They didn't have any evidence of any of them. Uh, like, one of them was, like, this guy was a writer, and uh, he was, like, a crime book writer that thought it could have been him. Hmm. There's all kinds of different people. Like you said, it could have been the same guy who did those murders before. Uh, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. Could have been the jazz guy. Yeah, could have been the jazz guy. <laughs> and it could have been the mafia. It could have been such good hits that they pulled it off, you know? No yeah, one knew it could have been the in. condiment king. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> Hey, anybody. with that letter, I wouldn't doubt it. That's a Batman villain for real. I almost when I was reading it, almost went into my Condiment King impression. I started, I heard it, I heard it starting to come out. Yeah. It started creeping in there. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. 
um axe murderers man this is it's a it's a dark part of our history uh but it does happen and unfortunately it continues to happen like i think i saw that there was an axe murder one of the ones that was most recent was in 2012 some guy uh was doing some crazy drugs i think it was like bath salts or something and he chopped someone up with an axe and started to eat them yeah 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 i mean you still hear about it today i mean obviously back then though you know this kind of stuff was uh this is back when you know there was no television or any of that kind of stuff. So everything yeah. was get even more sensationalized than what it does now. Oh, for sure. It could have been it could, and not to, not to, you know, play the, play these murders down. But like you said, it could have been, you know, a couple of, a couple of chops here and there, but the newspaper made it sound like the entire house was soaking with blood. Yeah. It yeah. was to sell papers. Yeah. But you know, for this one, all you need to do is print that letter. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's, I mean, it sounds so weird to say it like that, but that is is a great. It was a very well written letter. It really was. It's it's so as a as a great kind of flair for the like you you could hear this being said as like a monologue by a villain on like a, a stage play or something. That's what I'm saying. He had to have had some sort of uh, education to write that way. Yeah, because it's a it's constru- the, the actual writing. It's constructed well. You know what I mean. It really is, and there was just so <laughs> I didn't even read the whole thing. I mean, there's. All of it is written in that in that kind of style, though. I like the close relationship with the angel of death. That's a nice touch. Yeah, because yeah. he references it, and then he lets you know that it's it's the same thing as in the Bible. The the mark that makes him pass over the house, kind of a thing. Yeah, the, yeah. the music's playing. I'll move on. It's great. Yeah, it really is. I hadn't even thought about that before. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Oh man, axe murdering. I don't know about you, but. Uh, I'll be playing some some jazz tonight before I go to bed. I don't know about you, but I didn't like jazz before, and I still don't like it now, but I'm going to play it anyway. So, uh, Johnny, this was a good episode, I think. I thought it was kind of iffy. <laughs> History creeps Axeman in, in the can? I think so. Uh, Toss it in there. We got a couple more episodes in mind to work on. That's right. And uh, you have some things you want to plug before we take off? Well, you know what? As always, you can find me on my Instagram. That's Johnnyism28. That's all one word. Um, you can find our Facebook page. History Creeps has its own Facebook page. Just search History Creeps and you'll find it. And we put all kinds of uh, not only links to this show, but also uh, pictures and mm-hmm. stuff about the things we talk about. Yep. Uh, I also do another podcast called Into Oblivion uh, with my buddy Bobby. It's a, definitely a lot more lighthearted than this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say so yeah. i mean we have laughs here and there but the stuff we talk about is a little uh yeah i wouldn't you wouldn't find that on your other show which i can attest to is a very funny very entertaining show that is a quote thank you thank you <laughs> and i think you got a you got another show yourself even. yeah actually i do another show uh with a couple other guys called back issues comic book podcast in which we basically touch on anything that has to do with comic books um i'm gonna have to talk, tell them about this swamp thing axeman uh, I'll let them those guys know about it, and maybe we'll have you on the show when we have that episode. We talk about that. Okay, I'll read that letter mm-hmm. again. We'll do it as the yeah, Economy King. You'll do it as the Economy <laughs> King vote voice. Yeah, we have uh, we have other things we have in the works, other podcasts and bits of content. Can we mention that one yet? I'm going to say we can. Can we really? I don't know if we can. I don't know. I, he I hasn't told me that I can. But I, I, I want to do it. <laughs> I haven't been given the okay yet, but I'll let you do it. We got a, a very special. <laughs> it's going to be its own podcast called dumb men and dragons so what is it what does it deal with 
Well, you know the game Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. It's a role-playing game. Nice. It's sort of that, but to the ridiculous degree. <laughs> yes, I would say so. Let's it's just say fun. your ears will thank you for listening. Oh, uh, you don't even know. You don't even know. Uh, other than that, for me, this is Chris Chavez. This was a uh, a very interesting episode, to say the least. And, and and this is Johnny Townsend. Make sure tonight when you go to sleep, you have that jazz music blaring out your window. See you next time. Thank you.